Smith family, I'm Dr. Wong. Come on in. I was told there was a grandpa that might be joining us. He got wrapped up in an experiment. Um, he's a scientist, like legit, like on an intergalactic sci-fi level. His work is very- he Turned himself into a pickle. Morty, mom's talking. I'm sorry, I suppose that's a good segue into our little discipline cases here. Does grandpa turn himself into a pickle a lot? What? No, what kind of question is that? The kind that wasn't designed to attack or hurt you in any way. Oh, Jesus Christ, one of these. No, my father has never turned himself into a pickle before. He's unpredictable and eccentric. The whole family is. Speaking of which... Okay, let's open things up to the whole family and let me ask this. Why do we think Grandpa turned himself into a pickle? I didn't say my father is perfect. I said his work is important. And she's saying what's important is that Grandpa lied to you to get out of coming here. Oh, he did not. Let's do an experiment here. I get the impression this family values science. So raise your hand if you feel certain you know what was in the syringe. Raise your hand if you know for certain the syringe does not contain anti-pickle serum. Beth, your hand did a little thing there. Do you really not see what's happening here? Tell me. Well, Dr. Wong, by the way, racist name, obviously Morty and Summer are seizing on your arbitrary pickle obsession as an end run around what was supposed to be their therapy. Oh, I think this pickle incident is a better path than any other to the heart of your family's dysfunction. I think it's possible that you and your father have a very specific dynamic. I don't think it's one that rewards emotion or vulnerability. I think it may punish them. I think it's possible that dynamic eroded your marriage and is infecting your kids with the tendency to misdirect their feelings. F you. Mom! Mom! Both of you two. Ugh. must be Rick. Mm-hmm. I've heard a lot about you today. Your family is crazy about you. Your daughter holds you in very high regard. You're a lucky fella. Yeah, thank you. Uh, sweetie, you don't still happen to have that syringe in your purse? Dad? I would like you to tell me what's in the syringe. It's a serum that I need to, uh, to stay alive. I have had a rough day, and, uh, I've sustained a lot of damage. I'm, I'm pretty close to death, which the serum will prevent. By changing you from a pickle to a human. Yes. Rick, why did you lie to your daughter? So I wouldn't have to come here. Why didn't you want to come here? Because I don't respect therapy. Because I'm a scientist. Because I invent, transform, create, and destroy for a living. And when I don't like something about the world, I change it. And I don't think going to a rented office in a strip mall to listen to some agent of averageness explain which words mean which feelings has ever helped anyone do anything. I think it's helped a lot of people get comfortable and stop panicking, which is a state of mind we value in the animals we eat, but not something I want for myself. I'm not a cow. I'm a pickle. When I feel like it, so... You asked. Rick, the only connection between your unquestionable intelligence and the sickness destroying your family is that everyone in your family, you included, use intelligence to justify sickness. You seem to alternate between viewing your own mind as an unstoppable force and as an inescapable curse. And I think it's because the only truly unapproachable concept for you is that it's your mind within your control. You chose to come here, you chose to talk, to belittle my vocation, just as you chose to become a pickle. 
You are the master of your universe, and yet you are dripping with rat blood and feces, your enormous mind literally vegetating by your own hand. I have no doubt that you would be bored senseless by therapy, the same way I'm bored when I brush my teeth and wipe my ass. Because the thing about repairing, maintaining, and cleaning is, it's not an adventure. There's no way to do it so wrong you might die. It's just work. And the bottom line is, some people are okay going to work, and some people, well, some people would rather die. Each of us gets to choose. That's our time. I'm going to give you guys my card and hope to hear from you again. And if you have any friends or family that eat poop and would like to stop, give them my number. Welcome back to the Children's Enemies Podcast. I'm the man with the plan. As I'll always keep it a hundred grand. K-Dot, the Nigerian therapist, Rafael De La Ghetto, every other also known as that you can think of, you know? Um, today, I have a very, very special guest, a very, very pers- close personal friend of mine. Um, you know her. You love, well, I love her. Uh, <laughs> Jenny from the block. Uh, fine wine and Genesee. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please help me give a special welcome to Dr. Genesee Temple. Let me emphasize that doctor. I give her all her respect. She is a doctor. D-R. Respect her name. I'm not going to be the person from that video that didn't give the Black woman her respect for being a doctor and then got fired and lost his job. I'm not going to be that person. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Temple, how you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. This is a long time coming. Me and you, we have random check-ins here and there. I call you my personal therapist every now and then whenever I'm going through a life crisis that I can't figure out on my own. Um, just because you've been in this therapy field longer than I have. Um, so I'm glad to have a quote unquote therapy session for an episode today. Uh, <laughs> when I'm recording this, ladies and gentlemen, it is the first day of May. Um, so we are kicking off mental health awareness month. So this is perfect timing to have dueling therapists, so to speak, on the field, on, on, on the call, on the, on the podcast episode. Um, I'm gonna let you start. What, what, what has been your journey into therapy so far? How did you kind of stumble upon, into this field? Where, where'd, you, where'd you kind of find your niche? Those kind of things. What brought you, what made you be a therapist? That's a really good question. Um, recently, I've kind of figured out this journey, but initially I wasn't, when I went to college, I wasn't thinking about being a therapist. Like that wasn't what I wanted to do. When I went to college, that's when um, CSI was hot. And so (laughs) I actually wanted to be like a a forensics tech person, get on the scene. And then as when I was in college, like I love the forensic classes, but I hated all the science classes, Mm. which doesn't make sense because you need the science to do the forensic. (laughs) I wanted to be, you know, photographing, swabbing blood samples. Um, so when I was in college, I just wasn't feeling really fulfilled by those classes. I, I recognize I'm a people person. Mm-hmm. I like to interact with people and I wanted to do something that would help me help people. And I thought, you know, with solving cases, I could help people. But then when I really learned about what I w- could be doing, mm-hmm. I was like, no, not for me. So I had like this, I don't know, mid-college life crisis and I broke <laughs> down and was like crying. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, but then the universe kind of led me to a journal that I had been keeping when I was in high school. Mm. And I read the journal randomly during this crisis. And in it, I was like, I should probably like study psychology or something because I don't understand people and I don't know why people do the things that they do and they get on my nerves. Honestly, yeah. like, it's the line. That, that, that is understatement <laughs> of the year. <laughs> understatement yeah. of the year right so, there. Right. So even at like 14 years old, I was just like, what, what are people up to? So then I was like, why not take a couple of classes? And the rest of that was history. So I took the classes. Um, I decided that I wanted to be a therapist, took some necessary steps. And so when I graduated with my bachelor's, I actually went into the PhD program. Um, I straight to it. You, you skipped the master's level. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because lots of people don't know you. There are programs out there that will accept you from just with your bachelor's. It's just a longer mm -hmm. program, right? So mm -hmm. if you come in, if you get your master's, you knock out maybe two to three years mm -hmm. and then you get in the PhD program and that's an additional three, four years, just mm -hmm. depending on the program. So mm -hmm. it's the same length, but the program I went to is actually one I really wanted to be at. And they did accept, that was part of their culture. They would accept maybe one or two people with bachelor's each year. Okay. So I went and then, yeah, that was just kind of the journey. And I, once I started doing therapy, I realized how much I liked it. Mm -hmm. um, but since then, I don't know, the path has changed mm -hmm. um, somewhat. And so I, I do different things. I do therapy and I also do different things too. Okay. Um, yeah. Before we get into that, because um, I remember the last time I was in Philly, like the year before the pandemic, so I guess 2019, that was the year you finished your program and I got the doctorate already? That, that, that was the year? Or was it the year before that or...? 2018. 2018. Okay. Mm -hmm. Is it a PsyD, a PhD? What's the difference between the two? Yeah. So mine is PhD uh, okay. counseling. So I'm a counseling psychologist and I know there's counseling and clinical programs, mm -hmm. but to be honest, there's really no major differences between clinical and counseling. Like I've had people who are in my program in the counseling work in hospitals or VA. Mm -hmm. So it's really not that different. Um, okay. And the difference between like the PhD and society is like traditionally PhDs are more research right. focused. Like that's that, you know, they're, you're trained, they're training you to be a researcher essentially. Yeah, yeah. And society is more so you're focused on the clinical practice side of the field. Right. So yeah, it just depends. I, I mean, I did a PhD program because I, not necessarily that I love research, but I think <laughs> for me, it's, a, it's just good to have that background. For sure. And what was the uh, what was the dissertation topic for you? Yeah, what was it? It was <laughs> the impact of colorism on friendship selection Ooh. among black women. Yeah. Okay. That's in a circle. I see you, big <laughs> sis. Uh, what made you pick that topic? What uh, what was the research you kind of found with that topic? Without yeah. you know giving away all the paper and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. I was being succinct is a uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, basically, I'm black. I like black people. I'm a woman. I like black women. <laughs> and so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've always been curious about colorism because I think colorism is a thing, right? Like mm -hmm. it's a thing globally. So I was just, you know, curious because I value friendships like that. Friendships are so important to me. So I was just curious, you know, does colorism impact like how people choose to be friends with people? And it was so fun to do it like Long story short, I reached out to like friends and family, women to like send me pictures of them. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I used people that I knew as like in my study and it was okay. so fun. So, I mean, the results, luckily I'm happy that I didn't get anything significant. Like colorism did not seem to be a determinant okay. um, regarding how people chose to like, say they would be friends with said person. Okay. Um, so that was great. So I had a good, it wasn't a great time doing the research, but like <laughs> getting the finished product and getting yeah, the results yeah. was great. Okay. 
You were talking about the uh, differences between how you get to uh, this or how you can get to the side or PsyD or PhD route. Um, me personally, I I uh, I went the master's route after my bachelor's. I didn't decide to go. I thought about the PhD route, but when I heard that it was additional years or whatever the case was, plus I think I needed uh, I needed a certain resume or certain scores on my. GED or whatever whatever it was mm -hmm. uh, G G R E sorry I got a high school diploma ladies and gentlemen not G <laughs> G R E okay uh I needed certain scores with that and uh some other stuff and I think they they wouldn't let me get in uh but I went the master's route instead and I like where I'm at now um if I decide to go back and get a uh uh I guess side would be more my route the clinical side um because I'd I'm not a big researcher. Researcher, I, my parents have PhDs, and I've done most of the research stuff for them, and seeing how those papers work, that's how I know it's not for me. <laughs> um, PsyD, at least I'd be more clinical with it, so I don't have to do as much research. So I think that'd be more my realm if I went that route. Yeah. Um, and we were talking about how we got into the field. Um, me personally, remember those uh, career aptitude tests that made you take as a little kid. In, mm -hmm. in grade school in like third fourth grade whatever it was um I took one of those tests and my results came back saying that I'd be good at being a therapist or a counselor or a life coach or any of those kind of things at the time I didn't know what I wanted to be but I knew that wasn't it um because I didn't like people that much to be honest <laughs> as a kid yeah, I, I mean I'm I mean, quick side. I'm surprised. I was surprised when you yeah. did the counseling right because that was I'll, not your yeah. vibe. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people were. I'm not gonna lie to you. Um, I surprised myself with that. Yeah. Um, when I went to college, I still didn't really know what I wanted to be. I just know I was good at math and science, and I followed the traditional African stereotypes of being a doctor, lawyer, pharmacist, those things that make you guaranteed money, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, so originally I went to school, I was a chem slash pre-farm major um, and I was doing good up until my junior year, but then I had, uh, what did you call it? A midlife college crisis, <laughs> <laughs> something similar to that um, around the time that I had uh, joined a fraternity, let's, let's use that word. Uh, around the time I joined a fraternity, I uh, had a crisis going on and uh, Com committed academic suicide by taking orgo uh physics anatomy and calculus all in the same semester yeah, <laughs> yeah no. academic suicide um so when i went to my uh, my advisor he said you have two options um either stay here longer and try and pick up your gpa and redo all these classes and then graduate later or jump ship pick something different and yeah. at the time, the other classes that I were taking that weren't on that science or chem or pre-farm route, they were all uh, the psych and African-American studies classes. So mm -hmm. I was taking them for fun. I wasn't really serious about it. But when I saw, especially when I got to abnormal psychology, that's when I was sold. So that that that's the one that kind of like said, okay, maybe I'll be a therapist. And I've been good at it and haven't turned back since. So that's kind of how I stumbled in this field. Um, but yeah, it's been a surprise to you, just like it's been a surprise to me. It's been a surprise to everybody. I didn't really expect to be in this field like that. But yeah, yeah I mean, I I'm glad we need we definitely <laughs> need like black men, you know, obviously yeah. so desperately. And 
I'm glad, but yeah. I was also I'm still surprised I could. Do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. I surprised myself. Um, since we just touched on it, um, this is a real women dominant industry, um, specifically white women. And if we want to get to real statistics, um, talk about some of the stigma that you've seen because you've been in this field a little longer than I have. Some of the stigma you've seen amongst our people and not wanting to go talk to a stranger, let alone a white stranger about their own problems and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, you're getting to it. Part of it is like many, I won't say all, but many mm -hmm. black folks want to work with people that look like them. Mm -hmm. I think part of it is like, you don't want to have to explain the nuances of the culture mm -hmm. to people. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes it just makes the, the journey feel a little less strenuous when you know someone can relate on a certain level to your experiences so i think that's part of it um i definitely think black culture so i'm using black and when i'm saying black i'm talking about the diaspora of right. black not just american black right 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 um so looking across the diaspora there's just different cultural beliefs i mean but what the common theme is is like why you need to help yourself you mm. know don't tell people your business. Mm -hmm. um, that's mm -hmm. a sign of weakness, which is, I think is something found across all of us. Or um, craziness for that matter. Yeah, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. You're crazy. And mm -hmm. nobody wants to be labeled as crazy. That's stigmatizing when it, within itself. And I think uh, oftentimes it's like financially, it's barriers, right? Like therapy is not cheap. It's not. And, it's right. Not. So if you don't have insurance. And I hate to say like good or bad insurance, but mm -hmm. there's good and bad insurance. Mm -hmm. Like if your insurance mm -hmm. is crap, and you still have to come out a hundred dollars you're not going to come weekly maybe bi-weekly maybe monthly depending on you know your socioeconomic status your time so i mean i think there's a number of things but i think the biggest stigma is just worrying about what each other will think mm -hmm. if we take that dive but i do want to add that i've seen i'm starting to see a shift mm -hmm. in the community around seeking mental health like mm -hmm. i don't feel like it's as stigmatized as it had was probably 20 30 years ago mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. more people are talking openly about it we're talking openly about it so i mean <laughs> that counts for something yeah i i, I don't want to say mental health has become a fad as of late i don't, don't want to say it like that um but it's definitely to your point been more prioritized as of late um mm -hmm. especially coming off the pandemic year that we just had and all the craziness that was going on there that's still going on now to some degree um and even before that the four years of president what's his face that shall not be named on this show because i'm not right. i'm not gonna give him that space down try fuck down try yeah nigga fuck down try yeah yeah fuck down try yeah um talk about what you personally saw as being uh, challenging in terms of mental health during the pandemic and how, how you personally dealt with some of that stuff that was going on? Yeah, I mean, I feel like the way I see it is that 2020 was the year of reflection. Man. <laughs> reflection, uh, revolution, uh, change, uh, yep. all those different things. Yeah, it was a year of metamorphosis, right? Like we had mm -hmm. more time to really look at ourselves, me mm -hmm. included, mm -hmm. um, to see the good, the bad, and the really ugly, mm -hmm. and to really just sit, sit in the discomfort, which is whatever was going on for many of us. And I think for how I handled it, 
I mean, some I'm not gonna lie, at some points I handled it well. <laughs> yeah. And at other points, your girl struggled. And so <laughs> I really like leaned on my therapist. So I am a therapist that goes to therapy. Um, <laughs> my family and friends just I took a so I'm one of those people that actually traveled a lot during the pandemic. <laughs> I meant to go see my family. So I <laughs> took a couple trips. You know, I'm from the West Coast, so <laughs> living on the East Coast, my family is not here. So I, I made a few trips to back to Washington state (laughs) (laughs) emphasize that right and back to Oklahoma to spend time with my mom and you know just really leaning on my support to help me get through but yeah it was rough it was a year it was just like I think I think about it like we're caterpillars turning into butterflies man and some people were moths instead of butterflies (laughs) but you know whatever Uh, but now the pandemic year was was for me, it was a year of, of much needed self-care. If I had never paid attention to my own self-care before that, mm-hmm. uh, it was greatly emphasized last year for me because um, you're one of the few people that do know this stuff. And, I'll, and I, I think I might've said this in like the first episode when I first started this podcast, but 2020 was a year of like unnecessary death after death after death for me in the family. And to constantly witness those things but not even have a chance to process the first one before the next one comes yeah. and then my house got robbed and, and in broad daylight my dad was held up at gunpoint so I could have almost lost my dad last year um my sister got in a car wreck towards the end of the year so that stuff was going on there's a lot of a lot of different things that was happening there was a lot of different things that was happening last year so um I started seeing a therapist because I needed one just because I had to get out of my own head and I was in a very dark place at that point, especially after my grandma died. Um, but with the pandemic and the gym being locked down, I started doing a lot more outdoor workouts. I started taking a lot of walks. I started, uh, you know, on the negative side, drinking a little bit more, but no judgment, you no. know, <laughs> no, me in the beginning of the pandemic, whoo, your girl man, you know, bottles of whiskey, <laughs> bottles of Duce and Zoom and 2K. That was how I was coping the first three months of the pandemic. It was, and I wasn't the only one either. It was just, you didn't know what was going on. You didn't know what was going to happen. You didn't know where we were going to be. So you just had to enjoy it while you could <laughs> until right. that stuff wore off. So, um, but yeah, big. I got big into self care last year because that was that was what I, what was missing from my life, and I and I saw that in in how I started handling a lot of different things and whatnot. Um, talk about the importance of self care and what self care looks like um, versus what people think self care is. But there's there's, there's self care and then there's self indulgence, and the two are not the same. Yeah, I mean, I think self-care, honestly, is whatever you need it to be, but it with the parameters of, like, it is healthy. Message! Yeah. So, you know, for instance, we're, we were both drinking, you know, <laughs> like, that was my quote-unquote self-care, Absolutely. it wasn't healthy, not for my body, not Absolutely. for my people. Um, I think self-care, people often think it has to be this extravagant thing. Absolutely. Like, it has to be a $200 spa day. <laughs> can literally be taking a nap when you're tired. Yeah, definitely. It, it can be going for a walk. Mm-hmm. It can be eating an ice cream cone. Like self-care is what the things that make you feel happy, connected to yourself, connected to others, mm-hmm. um, present focus, and just mindful of what's going on with yourself. And I think that's been good. I think one of the things I've leaned on, so I started personal training 
Uh, during this pandemic and I feel like I feel more connected to my body uh, I'm uh, nourishing it more healthily and I feel really positive and so like that's been a big self-care thing for me so you know chain smoking all day <laughs> drinking bottles of whiskey may satisfy you in the moment but usually right. when you're doing like that you're you're trying to avoid something message right you're trying to numb yourself and, and right. that that stuff never works you know it works it works for the second until that stuff wears off and then the original problem is still there if not worse because you try to numb it now yeah and and, and that's something that especially when i was doing more addictions work last year i saw that often with with the people that i was working with that had various substance abuse addictions like on the small scale of alcohol all the way up to the opioid addictions and whatnot which is the new crack epidemic um but that's a different topic for a different episode. That's the war on drugs, ladies and gentlemen. Um, earlier, you were talking about your transition from uh, the space that you were working in to what you do now. You still do therapy, but you do a little bit of something else. What is that little something else that you do now? Yeah. I mean, so for context, from 2013 until this year, I was working in university counseling centers. Mm-hmm. And Initially, I loved it, right? So working in UCCs, you get to meet with students, obviously, who Mm -hmm. are struggling, anything from academic stuff to maybe there's some external things happening. Mm -hmm. You do outreaches on campus and all these things. You work across (laughs) departments. Um, But what I was talking to my therapist about last year is that last year is when I knew I was done. Uh That was year seven. And, you know, she's like, seven's a year of completion. And I'm like, or the number of completion. I'm like, (laughs) Right, I'm done. (laughs) Okay. So I think for me, this shift happened because one, I was tired of arguing with white people, my colleagues about- Man. Yeah, done. Because I I turned into a de facto diversity, equity, and inclusion person. And I was very upset because I was like, you know, I, you don't even get a chance to figure out your specialty because you're so busy arguing with people, white people about white stuff. And mm-hmm. that was it for me. So I think me, my values and the university as a whole, our values do not align. Right. Um, so I shifted out and what, there was a blessing. So, you know, you talked about having your master's degree and I, and I wanna make this point that sometimes people think that because you have a master's degree that somehow it's limiting and I will say I used to think that too, mm-hmm. but I work for a company called the Ladipo Group based in Philadelphia. It's mm-hmm. black owned, black operated. The woman who started this company is a licensed social worker. Mm-hmm. And this company, I mean, she calls it a small company, but we have a big reach. Mm-hmm. So what I do now is half of my job is therapy. So majority of my clients are black identified people, which I love, 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 because this is why I got into this work. Working at predominantly white institutions, your clients will be predominantly white. And yeah, I was like, you know, black psychologists, we only make up 3% of the psych, like of the psychologists, not of like mental health professionals. Mm-hmm. So we're already limited and we come with the expertise. And so for me to give the, to work with black folks on a day-to-day basis was my dream. Mm-hmm. On the other side of the house, I do um, diversity, equity, and inclusion work. So I work yeah. with like major companies. Some companies I have um, non-disclosure agreements with, so I can't yeah. talk about For sure, people. for sure. But yeah, major. Sign, sign your Beyonce NDAs, okay, you know, it's all good. You know, <laughs> I mean, it, it's dope. And I, what I can say is I'm working with companies 
who very much influence people's daily lives. There you go. And I'm sitting in the rooms with, well, virtually in the rooms with people, <laughs> you know, working on some stuff with them. So yeah. I get to do that. I get to train. I also get to do community outreaches. Okay. I get to do trainings because I think part of me is a teacher. I like mm -hmm. to teach, share knowledge, mm -hmm. um, but I don't want to be teaching in the academic sense. I'm done with academia, so done. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I'm not just doing therapy. And I think that's the thing, like mental health clinicians, we have so many things we can offer. Yeah. The therapy room. See what I'm, I am what? in general in general like my third or fourth year third going into fourth year as a licensed practicing clinician and what i'm starting to find out um much like what you were just talking about is what it is that i want and what it is that i don't want who it is that i do want to work for who it is i don't want to work for um i just left and this is i guess the bombshell for the episode um I just left slash quit slash was forcibly fired from the private practice that I was at um, because, and I'm not going to name drop who they are because they're not worth that energy. Uh, but essentially I was fired for being black or being too black for them and uh, them not knowing how to accept my blackness, them wanting to change my blackness so that it's more conducive to the mold that fits their her specific private practice um to the point where they went as far as looking onto my social media don't even know how they found me because my name's not my name on social media for that reason uh but went as far as looking for me found me read some things that i was just posting in general about the black experience and then brought it to a meeting flipped it with their white guilt to be this isn't indicative of you representing the company blah 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 and was fired because i'm too black essentially um so one thing that i realized that i'm not no longer standing for is having to verify justify or educate the masses on my blackness in a workspace and that's not something i should ever have to do not to mention that I was also like more or less the diversity hire for that specific practice. So it was, I was one of three minorities um, and I was the only black male. So mm. I was the unicorn and the buff that brought so much business to them because they had a whole new untapped market that they were never tapping before. And now that I'm gone, that market has left with me. Good. Not to say that I wanted them to or told them to because I legally can't but the impact that I have going back to what you said earlier people want a therapist that represents them to the point where even my white clients left the practice because of the impact that I had with them just because I was a male in general mm -hmm. I, I'm starting to see my like you said how much control I have over my own experience as long as I actively dictate what it is I want to do and not take whatever is given to me kind of thing Yes, I'm I'm so sorry that that happened to you. And I'm so glad so. you're liberated because this has been the process. So like when I was at that university going back and forth with these people, you know, it took almost three years for them to start to do the changes. So in one hand, I feel like I've left a legacy of like they recognize later that they're racist and wrong. Yeah. Um, 
but there is power when you are in a space. Like that's the thing I think many black folks, especially clinicians that might be tuning in, like we have a power. Mm -hmm. um, so because I, I love training. So that's another thing that I would do. I would supervise and all that. Mm -hmm. um, and the three years that I was there, the number of black um, identified people who were applying for our internship increased. Mm -hmm. Because, and then when we'd ask them, you know, what made you look at this site? you on the website you and my, my, my friend i'll be meeting up with yep. later on today yep, seeing yep. all faces on the website is why we came yep. so it went from two of us until when i left a month ago from the job there was like seven black people yeah yeah, on yeah. Staff. and you know i don't want to be i don't want my face to be on any website bringing pe people to any setting where i know they're going to be racially traumatized and harmed yes. Yes. so i rather i rather have left and yeah. what i've learned through working at the ladipo group is that you can build your own mm -hmm. and people will come and, and we're not struggling by no means. We mm -hmm. have a wait list. We have to take the mm -hmm. something off the website so people couldn't send their information yep. because we're booked and busy. Yep. You can do your own. We don't, we don't need these institutions that don't respect us. We don't need these right. colleagues that deny our humanity. They're, they're yeah, not yeah. needed. That's what white supremacy makes you feel like. Feels like yeah. you have to align with whiteness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do what the white people do to be acceptable people and it's like no you could go do your own thing and Be thrive just as accessible if not more acceptable because you're authentically being you Nasty. and this is something that i talked about in another episode the most successful people in this in, therapy is a business right and 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 to be a therapist whether you're building your own caseload whether you're running your own site whether you're running your own practice whatever the case is in, in, in simple bullet point terms, you're being an entrepreneur, right? Entrepreneur is more about selling yourself than it is selling the product. You can sell dog shit to somebody if they like who you are, right? And the way that you get someone to like who you are is to be authentically you. Yep. You, can't, you can't be authentically you if you're constantly being suppressed or micromanaged or code switching to be something that you're not just to please whoever the master is above you at that time. Um, so I'm glad that I, whatever happened, happened with that situation. Um, I do have another job now that I start at the end of the month. Um, so May is a month of break and recharge. I might take a couple trips here and there just for me. Um, you know, got to do some, like I said, this is the year of self-care for me. So I'm, I'm going for what I want. Um, I sit from, I hopefully I can sit for my full clinical license by the end of the year um at that point then i'll really get to do what it is i want to do which is move out of state one um because i've been in chicago most of my life and as great of a food city this is here this isn't this isn't where i plan to stay i mean you know summertime chicago is legendary but i at this point <laughs> at this point in my life i'm only here for the food after that you can take it you can leave everything else um but when i get my clinical license i'm moving somewhere else and doing what I really always said I wanted to do when I got into this field, which is open up my own thing, whether yeah. it's a, a practice, a school, a facility, a clinic, a center, whatever it is, open up my own, be in the community, be with my people, give them the access to the things that they don't typically get access to so that everybody can better themselves and take care of themselves the way they need to take care of themselves and, and not have it be such a, a a burden or a hassle to do so either. Yeah, you know? yeah. The company that I'm at now, um, another thing that I did like about this company, which is what made me 
uh, sign on board of them is the fact that they are nationwide. So they have a much bigger reach than this bullshit place that I just left. Yeah. <laughs> um, they are in multiple states, multiple cities. So whenever I do move, I won't be without a job. Um, to the point where once I have my clinical license, if I just, if I voiced to them that I wanted to open up my own thing underneath them, they would help me do it. So I have a much bigger reach, a much bigger extension, a much bigger leg up with this new company than I ever did with the old one. So I'm happy. I, I'm not, I'm not complaining about this blessing at all. Well, congratulations <laughs> to you. Yeah. I mean, transitions, I feel like that's another thing that the pandemic has brought that I've noticed so mm. many people have been making major life pivots you know mm -hmm. I've, I've left a job I've never left a job in this field usually everything is just like had a time frame and mm -hmm. so this was like my you know working at that university was my first job out of grad school and I made the choice to leave like mm -hmm. I just went went somewhere else and what was wonderful it's nice to be somewhere where you're wanted because absolutely I say my my current company kind of poached me um because i was yeah. a <laughs> with them working like 10 hours a week seeing people and helping here and there but like the most meaningful thing to me was that the the black woman who owns the company tanya was just like what do we have to do to get you to say yes to our offer what do Super. we do to get you to work here Super. and to have another black person like affirm my uh -huh. talents affirm uh -huh. me and to be like what how uh -huh. and being able to negotiate my terms and her you know uh -huh. she was like give me a week came back and was like we can meet those agree you know those terms see and I, I was just like yeah i gotta go it's nice it's nice to go the, the, the phrase that i tell everybody and this is a cliche everybody knows this phrase but it's true you know go where you're celebrated not tolerated yeah you know? and and you have to is it's it's a very warming feeling where you can go somewhere and and they understand and they see and they recognize and they appreciate and they celebrate your value, you know, yes. versus versus dictating what your value is. Yes. Yeah. It just feels different. And I, I haven't dreaded going to a staff meeting. I haven't had to, I haven't been microaggressed. Mm. Not to say, you know, not to, like black people can microaggress each other. We can do yeah. things to harm each other. Yeah. Um, I'm not ignorant or naive in that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can also name that I have not experienced that in the setting. I've been working with them. I had been working with them since September 2020 part time. Mm -hmm. And I just started my first month last month, April. I guess April is now <laughs> over. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it's been good. The only weird thing is that I don't know how you feel about mm. like, with this virtual world, like for me, I haven't been in person since March of 2020. So wow. I don't know, I haven't met any of my clients in person that I see. Uh, and I have not met any of my colleagues in person. So that's been weird. That's just a random <laughs> I haven't met anybody in real life. It's been, it's even the job I just left and even the job I had before that, um, through, the, through the pandemic, we may have, well, the first job I had, we started off uh, being, all telehealth just because nobody knew what was going to happen um but mm -hmm. by like june july we was back in person um so since june july of last year i've had like half and half half telehealth half telehealth people half in person um it's really based on the comfort of the client and what they want to do their safety things of that nature um i will say that now because everybody's or most people are starting to get vaccinated i think that's going to change and we'll be yeah. opening up more doors and being fully back in person, hopefully without the masks and whatnot. 
Um, that's my shameless plug for everybody to go get vaccinated so we can take these damn masks off. <laughs> but that kind of thing, you know, it, it's, it's been, it was weird at first, um, but just being on Zoom with my friends during the beginning of the pandemic kind of made it like, okay, at least I know what I'm doing on a screen kind of thing. Yeah, I'm over it. I'm ready for hybrid. <laughs> I, I feel blessed and fortunate that I've been able to, you know, be at home, which has helped me with mm -hmm. my daughter, you know, just managing my life and staying safe and healthy. Mm -hmm. And doing this work virtually is not fun. Like I rely <laughs> on more parameters because like, you know, people are doing it out, doing the telehealth at home. There's uh -huh. technological issues. Wi-Fi uh -huh. goes out. Uh -huh. Kids are yelling and screaming in the background and jumping. Or pets everything. for that matter. Pets. Uh -huh. I think struggle, you know, um, and I'm just ready. I, I miss people. I'm okay with hybrid because I miss people, but I don't miss people enough to be in the office five days a week yet. There you go. I'm like, two days, <laughs> there you, go. you know, have a little routine, a commute. I'm ready to honk at people and be upset. <laughs> uh, I'm ready for those experiences. You ready for that road rage? They'll be back. I <laughs> am. I need a little bit of rage in my life. I'm just like, I just at home and home for me is my peace, my yeah, place. Yeah, yeah. Peace. It's not that energy, right? People on the street, yeah. their energy seeps into, I'd be sage in my house. <laughs> I'm like, let's get rid of all these people's, you know, stuff out my house. That's real. That's real. Yeah. You got to protect your peace, protect your energy, protect the natural auras that you emit or that other people emit into your life. And, and I'm not, I'm not at the sage point in my life yet, but I'll burn some candles. I'll get some incense here and there, you yeah. know? Light a blunt that that's my sage. <laughs> I mean, the sage is cool. It has like anti micro, micro, I can't ever say that word, but basically it can help clean the germs in your air. Gotcha. Pure, it purifies your air too. So okay. part of it is like, let's just make sure germs also okay. don't get up in here. Okay. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back with more of the Children Immigrants podcast. Stay tuned. Welcome back to more of the Children Immigrants podcast. I'm still sitting here with my personal therapist, Dr. Genesee Temple, fine wine in Genesee. Jenny from the block. That, that's my homegirl. That's what she is. <laughs> um, Mother's Day is coming up, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and Genesee, Dr. Temple is actually a mother in her own rights. Um, what has been your experience with motherhood so far? And how, how has that journey been for you? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm like being a mom is weird I, don't know, I feel like you know people feel the pressure to be like oh motherhood is such a challenging and rewarding it's weird <laughs> weird honestly for me because uh, I never when I was younger I didn't want kids what really I, yeah I have younger siblings um like my dad I have two brothers on my uh -huh. dad's side but my mom we, there's four of us girls, I'm the oldest. And then I have a sister that's about two years younger than me. Then we have a 13 year age gap. Then I have a, oh, so I have an 18 year old sister and a 16 year old sister. And then my sister who's oh, yeah. about to be 30. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Year. So um, I had to watch the younger siblings when I was younger, which made me <laughs> pretty firm of like, hell no to kids. But yeah, obviously, yeah, yeah. And my actions did not align <laughs> with what I was talking about. So I have a 10 year old and um, being a parent is weird, but not bad. It's not bad. It's, it can be challenging at times, just given certain things, I think, mm -hmm. because you don't really know what to expect, right? As they're growing into their own persons with their mm -hmm. own attitudes and, and personalities. Thoughts. Yeah. Uh -huh. It's like, oh, there's no blueprint for that. It's just, <laughs> 
all right, we're gonna roll with the punches and just see uh -huh. how it goes. Um, I mean, I'm fortunate, I feel like I have a pretty cool kid, so it's not horrible. I think having a kid, cause I had her towards the end of my college career. Mm -hmm. um, and then she, so she was part of the college career. I never took a break. I didn't take any time off. I told people, and it's not a lie. I had her like on a Wednesday or Thursday and I went back to class on Monday. And so this is just kind of how I thug this out. And 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 that's all respect and kudos to you. Um, last time we were in, last time we kicked it in person, I remember uh, I was in the car with you and some of your friends when we was coming back from wherever that hookah place was or whatever the case was. And I remember hearing them talk about some of the stuff that you were going through and then how, I think they were your ships actually, or LSs. And they, they were talking about how they looked up to you for how you handled all that, what you did with that whole career path and school and having a kid. And, you know, I, I echo their sentiments that, you know, I don't know if I, if I was in that, sh in those positions, I don't know if I would have handled it the same way, you know, and then they, people say that they can until it actually happens and you never really know. Um, so I'll say all that to say, you know, all respect to you for, for how you did it and your success with it now, you know. I appreciate you. I would not recommend people to get college. <laughs> you know, and parent kids throughout grad school. But I do want to give that credit to my mom and my grandma. I think I we have males in our family, mm -hmm. all women. but mm -hmm. I feel like the women in my life have instilled just certain things within me. And it was it's never it's like you're going to swim. There's no sinking oh, yeah. allowed. And so yeah. being raised by, you know, quote unquote, strong black women. <laughs> um, but it's true and it's true, yeah. you know? Yeah, so I've, I've been resilient. I've learned resilience through them. And mm -hmm. it, being successful is never not an option. So it was fine. It wasn't fine, but I lived. <laughs> you so made it fine, you know? Right. Um, what has been the most eye-opening thing about having a daughter for you? Yeah, it's back to this this reflection metaphor. I think when you have a kid, you have to be more self-reflective mm -hmm. um, because you realize that what you say and do, how you think, how you feel can be transmitted to your kids. Mm. Um, and I've seen that a lot working with clients, you know, come in, other Black folks who got mm -hmm. this family pressure to be to show up in these ways and, and the ways that can really break people's spirits and hearts. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think for me, the biggest thing is just treating her like a person who can choose their own life. Mm -hmm. At what age does that begin? Because people say kids are still kids until they're 18. Some people say different. What age do you let the kid to start be uh, autonomous, so to speak? I think it happens in phases. So at this point, I don't really, I don't dress my kid like she picks her wardrobe. Now, if it's something, one, I don't buy things that I wouldn't want her to wear. So, right, right. Um, so there's still a level of control. <laughs> she chooses to put together things for the most part, 99% of the time, unless it's like not weather appropriate. Like okay. obviously if it's snowing, you're not gonna be outside in shorts, like duh. <laughs> but right. other than that, so that's one way. Um, uh, she has locks like I do. Okay. And she wanted to dye a few, I let her dye some of her locks, the color of her choice. Like, what do you want? Okay, like it's hair dye. What do you want <laughs> hair? So right. I mean, slowly and gradually just kind of letting her make some choices for herself. I don't tell her what I expect her to be when she grows mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. I just ask that she be a respectful person, a kind person, you know, be helpful to people. Mm -hmm. That's my hope. 
but she can grow up and she could turn into a total a-hole and <laughs> I wouldn't have any control over that. Okay. Okay. Um, what has been the most rewarding thing or did I ask that? What, what have you, uh, what has been the most challenging thing? Let's go the opposite route. What's been the most challenging yeah. thing? Challenging right now, I think right now I'm experiencing the most challenge because somehow, some way I woke up and told myself to move across the country <laughs> away from many of my support system uh -huh. and try to raise a kid and work and be uh -huh. a transplant in Philadelphia. Like, I don't know what I was thinking. So <laughs> I'm cre I've created this challenge. And so for uh -huh. me, I haven't had as much autonomy um because when we're either with my mom and family or her family my daughter's family what mm -hmm. i live my best life like there's a community around me and mm -hmm. so i i don't struggle mm -hmm. um but i've definitely struggled here uh yeah so that's been the current challenge okay mm -hmm. and how do you how are you uh making it less challenging for yourself as much as possible anyways yeah that's a good question. Um, so in the summer times, it's mom time. Every there is an unspoken spoken agreement <laughs> me and the grandmas and the uh -huh. aunties um, that she's gone during, during the summers. So she. <laughs> it sounds so bogus when you say it like that, but I I understand it. <laughs> I yeah, do. you know, listen, it's a community. It's a community because, like, my mom and them. I mean, that's just part of our culture in terms of my family. Like, you know, kids go to the grandparents or the parents for the summer, mm -hmm. and then her family's from Uganda, and so you know, it's all family community. Mm -hmm. The village raises raises Absolutely. the child. Absolutely. Um. So that's a thing. And then I was, you know, sharing with you previously that she will be going for a year. She's decided. So this is going to the choices, right? Uh -huh, uh -huh. She asked if she could spend her fifth grade year with her family her dad's family um, on the west coast and i agreed mm -hmm. um, because she wants to have that time to reconnect you know the pandemic has been hard for kids too so Absolutely. i'm gonna go for a year so that'll give me a year of rest restoration time to just kind of do me and figure out what i what my next steps are so yeah, yeah. um so that's kind of how we're flowing right now <laughs> okay um since you brought it up how has the whole uh, co-parenting dynamic worked for you? <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. It's a, like I said, she's a community child. Okay. So it's, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, not, I mean, it's better than how it's been historically, but okay. I feel like I'm blessed and fortunate though to at least have the families on um, both sides. Like I have a very loving relationships with his mother and him and I are fine. We don't be like beefing. There's no calling people, hanging up, cussing out. Okay. You know, there's none of that. Okay. Um, but I just feel blessed that I have, I've gained a family. For so sure. I co-parent with the moms, the aunties, everybody. <laughs> okay. It really does take a village. Mm -hmm. For sure. For sure. Um, do you plan to have more kids huh. or are you set with just this one? <laughs> I mean, in an ideal world, this would be it. Like, <laughs> I, I haven't had another kid in 10 years. Listen, when you get so close, you're like so close to the promised land. Like, yeah. like a couple years by 12, she's like, <laughs> she can watch herself. You know what I mean? Like, you can do you. And I'm serious. I get, it, I get it though. I get it. Yeah, the thought of like having another one. So I feel like, you know, if I get married or something, I don't mm -hmm. want to, it's this, this weird thing, right? Of like, mm -hmm. why didn't, why don't I want kids? 
um, I think it's because I often think about this la these last 10 years and what that's felt like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I feel like if I'm married and I feel more than just being married, then I feel that my partner will be a partner. Absolutely. In Absolutely. that raising of kids, I can Absolutely. do more. Being pregnant is not fun. I, that's really it. Like, <laughs> all of, I mean, no, I want a partner that's helpful and we're 50-50 with it. Yeah, I'm mean, yeah. going half on this. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I also just, being when I was pregnant, it sucks. Yeah. And, 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 and something else that, you know, is also just now starting to come more to light now than it ever was before. Um, all the different complications, especially as a black woman that come with childbirth and, and the, the fetal uh, mortality rates, mothers, <laughs> mothers dying while they're having their kids, all the different health risks, especially as you get older and yep. things of that nature, you know, so I understand the whole I understand why most women nowadays don't really want to have kids. I I, I get it. I'm black women, so these white people can kill you at the hospital. I'm good. I get it. I I, I totally get it. Um, I'm actually I'll actually be surprised if whoever I end up with wants to have kids, and and, and I, I hope I'm not speaking nothing into existence, but I'd, I'd be surprised honestly. You just gotta get a milk. <laughs> That's a different topic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, you got to get one that comes with one or two. You know, you know, I, I, I've accepted the fact that I could, I might be a stepdad. At, at this okay. point, I've accepted it, you know, and I've had a MILF um, and she was fun. Um, and now we're good friends, me and that specific, <laughs> me and that specific MILF, uh, you know. <laughs> still love her still my best friend my personal therapist um people can't see the eye roll i if you watch this later <laughs> hey you said it all right and and that's that's part of our history too and how we how we met and why we're so close and why we're still cool to this day you know it, it from that point up to this point nothing's changed and and, I, and i've always respected that about about us so you know it works um Back to the whole motherhood thing <laughs> before we get too off topic. Uh, what you got planned for Mother's Day, or what is, or what is, what does Mini Me have planned for you, as far as you know? Nothing. I mean, she might. She, she's usually will like cook me breakfast or something. She if she uh -huh. makes it at school, she'll probably bring me something. I don't. I mean, Mother's Day is important, but mm -hmm. I also don't overemphasize it anymore. I feel like when I was younger, like mm -hmm. a younger mom, it was such an ordeal. Mm -hmm. um, I'm more now I'm like, oh, shoot, it's a week away. I need to send cards. I need to put something <laughs> else with other moms in my life. So I'm just thinking about other moms. Uh -huh. but just chill. I, it's a day that I hope people just don't bother me. I've heard that so much from moms nowadays that it's, it's the day that they want to be left the fuck alone. Yeah, me alone. I'm not cooking it. I, for me, I accept all food gift cards. Food. Food is how I celebrate Mother's Day. I'm like, I just don't want to cook. I want meals provided for me all day. Yeah, 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 yeah. I respect that. Yeah. Food and wine. I, I those, those are the, you can't go wrong with those for Mother's Day. Um, maybe the occasional spa day, depending on who the mother is and what's important to her. Um, I I don't know what I'm gonna do for Mother's Day this year. I, Mother's Day is weird for me this year because um, one, I just realized it was next weekend. Uh, <laughs> two, my sister, uh, she's graduating. She. Uh, she just got her farm D. She's graduating next weekend, and we're having, yeah, you know, y'all got the party. 
that that's all about to say we're having she, she picked to have her party on mother's day so it's gonna be half mother's day well not even half it's gonna be like a fraction mother's day all my sister's party the other half of the day so mother's day might get ignored next weekend unintentionally so i don't give them a card or something that's what i that's what i'm that's all i can do a, a card a hundred dollar gift card to whatever yeah. her favorite store is whatever the case is um which is also another weird topic as i've gotten older and i don't know if this is just who i am or me not really knowing my parents and what they like um i just give them money on these get on these occasions it's not just you <laughs> my, mom, my mom is good about specifying what she wants. My mom wants a drill. Wow. <laughs> Don't get more specific than that. Yeah, yeah. She, my mom's good at telling us. And she'll send pictures or a link. I'm just like, send me the link to the thing. Yeah. I'm about to call her today after this to clarify. She, I guess she sent me She sent me a text. I'm like, okay, thank you. And she's like, which one? <laughs> Ma'am, I didn't know these were different names for drills. I don't know <laughs> things. You know, so my mom has a very nice house and she's been spending a lot of time uh, building it up. I mean, it, first of all, she bought it, like she got it built. But now she's just been adding and doing. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know nothing about no drill. Ma'am, I live in an apartment. I, <laughs> so I have to clarify, like, which drill, I guess. I need pictures yeah. so I can see. So my mom gets a drill. But other than that, everybody gets gift cards. I, I, I used to get my mom watches and whatnot, but she has so many watches that she doesn't even wear. It's like, let me just give you the money to go buy what it is you want to buy. Because at this point... You don't tell us what it is that you really want. My sister might have a better idea of what it is that she would like just because she's a girl. As, as a man buying a gift for a woman, that's kind of difficult because depending on the You woman, just ask. Yeah, but it's, it's it, again, with moms, it's different because she's, she's never going to tell you what it is. She's going to ask you, why are you getting me something or what can I get for you? Mom, you know how moms are. They're going to flip it back to you kind of thing. Yeah. That's just their nature, so... I realized that cash and gift cards is just the easier option at this point in my life. Yeah. Birthdays, Mother's Day, Father's Day, just give them the money, let them buy what they want to buy. At least they'll get what it is they want to get. You know, that, that's where I'm at now. Yeah, that's what I like. Just get food or money. Yeah. I, food's going to be a little difficult just because, you know, coming out the pandemic and I don't know how they are about eating out. I don't think they've had, I don't think they've eaten out in the past year. They get take out or order pizza yeah, stuff like that but... order something for them and have it delivered that counts what save on cost because doordash and all that stuff is not <laughs> it's not it's not um but thankfully like i said next weekend doesn't be taken care of with the party and the catering and stuff that they're doing for my sister so food's not going to be a problem um but definitely a gift card I'll, I'll make sure i get one of those on the way home something like that <laughs> um and your mom, I've seen many pictures of you and her uh, just from when I'm just for as long as I've known you and how close you guys are. Um, what is it that you respect the most about your mom? Mm, that's a good question. Oh, what do I love about my <laughs> Thundercat? <laughs> I, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, when people don't know me, but to, yeah. to my mom, my mom. That's she's a bombshell. That's a hot lady. That's hey a, man, I, if I if I if I was forty years older, hey. You forty know, years older. My mom's only twenty years older. I'm, than I'm, me. I'm, jo <laughs> I'm joking. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> too old for her. Um, I'm joking. No, but people say that you know if I was yeah. older, yeah, leave her alone. She's minding her business. But um, <laughs> what do I appreciate about my mom? My mom, I don't know. She's I I would just say supportive. Yeah. Of me 
it just of me genuinely as I am like my mom knows me obviously mm-hmm. but like she has just always supported me in big and small ways and the older I get the more I see it and I can count on her for a quick I still call my mom for things that I know I could know the answer to but I call her because mm-hmm. she supports me and she still teaches me mm-hmm. um and the older we get, she's more open with me. So she's still my mom, but I'm an adult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she, she, she lets me into her world, her emotional world, her thoughts. So, I mean, I guess that's more than one thing, but I just overall, <laughs> I just love the relationship with sure. my mom. Like, I can count on her to ride when it's time to ride. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um, with my mom, I think the thing that I've grown to appreciate the most about her um, is her being authentically kind of what you just said as far as letting me more into her emotional world and how she's feeling um, case in point last year when all these different uh, deaths and stuff that were going on most of these deaths were on her side of the family um, in the past whenever she's grieving she would like stay in her room and like isolate herself those kind of things um, last year you know I held her, I'm, I'm holding her more. She's crying in my arms more, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, so we're, we're, we're connecting on that level of emotion, which is also new for me. Cause like you said earlier, I'm not the most emotional person. Um, mm-hmm. Or at least I don't express it anyways, let, let me caveat that. Um, but that stuff I'm starting to respect more about her. Um, me and her, we joke a lot. I get all my sarcasm and sense of humor from her for sure. I know this for a fact um, to the point where I've gotten in trouble in it, trouble with it because I go back and forth with her when she's going back and forth with me, kind of stuff like that. Um, we, our favorite show that we watch together now is The Masked Singer. Whenever I'm at home, I pull up on Hulu and we watch The Masked Singer together. So that's our thing, you know, where we're, we're bonding like this more. And so those, those are things I'm starting to like and cherish more about my mom as we get older and whatnot. Where we're getting closer and whatnot on that level, and I'm gonna miss her. I, I miss her now. I, I, I probably need to call her after this. Call her and say hello. She was actually just cursing me out a couple of weeks ago because I got a dog, and she didn't know why I got a dog. She didn't understand. She didn't understand it. I'm like, I wanted a dog. I, you never got me one growing up, so I got it for myself. Yeah. Now that was a whole thing. Um, she's also at that point now where, uh, because I'm the oldest child. And I have accomplished, quote unquote, all the different things on their bucket list for me. The next immediate thing is mm-hmm. marriage and kids. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like last summer, my mom actually asked me about one of my exes that she met. Like, how are things going with you and her? I'm like, we broke up. But then actually, when you guys met her, we were already broken up at that point. We were just still kicking it, I guess. But they're asking those kind of questions now, like grandkids are around the horizon for them. I'm like, do you have grandkid money? Because I don't, but hey. It will appear when the kids appear. Listen, that Nigerian I've heard that. pressure is <laughs> real, real, real. Listen, I mean, from the people, my my personal people in my life from mm-hmm. Nigerian and also the many of the clients I've worked with. Uh-huh. And they, and be like, all right, well, you got the degree, you have a job, so <laughs> when are you gonna get married? So the wedding yeah. can happen. 
Yeah. The art can be live, and then we need grandkids uh, quickly following. Yeah, that, 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 <laughs> that's where they're at with me now. Um, and probably even more so with my sister now because she's the only girl in the family and she just got her big obstacle out of the way. Yeah. Um, so as soon as she gets a job, the next thing is going to be, so who are you dating? Who are we going to set you up with? When is your wedding coming? And I'm, yeah. telling, my, I'm telling my parents at this point, put your eggs in that basket. She's likely going to be the one that gets married and has kids. You never know. Don't downplay yourself. Mm -hmm. When you move to wherever you're moving, I'm thinking, I'm thinking you might be thinking about what, Texas? Texas or Georgia, um, if I move down south. I was also thinking Pacific Northwest, um, so Washington State or Oregon, you know. Yeah. Oh, don't go to Oregon. Mm -mm, don't do it. I mean, Some people are weird in Oregon. At least with Washington, we, you know, be, be between Seattle and Tacoma, you'd be right. Oh, I mean, those are the only places I would go because those are the only places I visited when I was visiting, yeah. you know, you. Um, but yeah, between Texas, Georgia, or Washington State, those are the places I'm looking at potentially re, re uh Well, you'll be married in no time. I'd, well, you know, I'm glad you have that faith in me. I, I do. I feel like with men, like women be ready. And being in the 30s, like women be ready. So if a man is equally ready, women will like, <laughs> like yes, you, I'm holding on to you because you're ready. I mean, I uh, will. And hopefully because there's love and all the other good things. But also, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Um, I, 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 I haven't thought that far ahead in my life. Like I said, at this point, I've accepted the fact that I might just be a stepdad or be single for the rest of my life. I, yeah, yeah. I, I made my piece. It is what it is. We'll see what happens. It has been a fun episode. Definitely reconnecting with my old friend, my therapist, my, uh, to use your word earlier, MILF buddy from X years ago. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is the point in the episode where I let my guests uh, do their shameless plug, drop whatever it is that they're working on. Um, whatever projects they got coming on, whatever they want people to know about them. So this is your time. Go for it. Okay. I mean, I have a YouTube channel, Dr. Jenny from the blog. I mean, there it is. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I feel like such a weirdo trying to spell it out. So <laughs> the link will be in the description, ladies and gentlemen. Don't don't worry. Don't worry about it. I will put it in the in the episode. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And I have an Instagram that, by the same name. So, I mean, on the YouTube channel, I'm talking about mental health stuff, life stuff. Um, and on the Instagram page, it's more just kind of like daily things to think about, tips, whatever, affirmations, journaling things, all the things that maybe <laughs> I would talk about or do with clients that I just put on the net. So, yeah, check me out. For sure. You just dropped an episode like a couple of days ago, didn't you? What was that one about? Question and answer session. Listen, I was on Facebook and I just asked friends and family to ask the questions. People are wild. Yeah. Um, I had no other parameters, so I just answered a couple of those. And I'll actually be dropping a video soon because it'll be one year since I've been on YouTube. Hey. Uh, yeah, and I just like broke 500 followers or subscribers, not followers, subscribers. So hey, for me, hey. that's a big deal. <laughs> hey. I, you saw my post. I just got what 250 streams on this, and I've only been I've only been doing this for like four months now. So that's Woo. a bench, that's a benchmark that I didn't think yeah, I was. Gonna we gotta celebrate these benchmarks. I was like, listen, for me to not be a like beauty channel or travel, yeah. I'm into 
you know, I mean, my page is supposed to have travel, but I started it when the pandemic hit, so girl, girl wasn't really going anywhere but home. Right. <laughs> Uber travels is about the best you could do, you know? Right, right. So, yeah, check yeah. it out. Absolutely. And congratulations to you for your streams, and it, and cheers to much more success and Thank growth you. of your platform. Thank you, and I extend the same to you. Uh, hopefully, Thank I can you. return the favor and be on one of your episodes in the future. Yeah. We'll collaboration that way. Um, I will make sure that I dress for the part because that's a video thing. So I actually have to come to the DMV area, which I don't mind because I, I enjoyed my last visit out there. So and me and you need to kick it again anyway. So we'll definitely set that up in the future. Um, but yeah, ladies and gentlemen, this has been another great episode of the Children Immigrants Podcast. Um, I am signing off here with my personal therapist, my buddy, Dr. Temple, Jitty from the block, Genesee Temple. Um, I'm the man with the plan, K-Dot, and this has been another wonderful episode. i see y'all next time. Peace.